movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 217, also known as, holy crap, a lot of late breaking news when we record this. Holy crap. Um, so we knew in advance that we were getting a Blue Beetle trailer, which obviously we'll discuss that. Uh, but Blue Beetle was one of those properties that we thought we would never get to see on the big screen. And so there's a topic that Josh and I have wanted to talk about for a while. We're like, with Blue Beetle's trailer, now is a perfect time to talk about it. Best comic book movies never made, or legendary comic book movies that are like the Bigfoot of the comic book world. Of they're just yeah. legends stuck in some creative's brain, never to be seen. Other cases, probably for the best, that they never saw the light of day. But uh, oh boy, guys, if you're a comic book fan, if you've never gone down the rabbit trail that is unmade superhero movies, it is so wonderful i also cannot wait till till the day we cover on the podcast all the unmade horror movies that's even more bonkers yeah like that like that unmade halloween movie where michael myers in the finale becomes 30 feet tall at a drive-in theater but um besides that how are you doing tonight josh (laughs) it is it it's really funny because there is some of the stuff when researching this this comic book movies that never existed um that like there's a lot of stuff that I, I, that's not even on my list because i was like that why would you think that that's a good idea what do you want um but i'm doing pretty good i'm chilling like a villain uh reading a lot still um i forgot to send you pictures but i am halfway through the special edition crow that i got Ooh. um it is gorgeous and i love it uh and I am making some headway in my uh, Bioshock 2 playthrough, uh, which I have never played the Bioshock series. Last year, I played the first the first one. And, you know, I it's been a lot of fun, honestly. It, it's one of those, like, I needed a new a, a solo game to play for the... And I just went with that. But um, as far as watching stuff, uh, hey, can we talk about that uh, Mandalorian 5, episode 5? Like, gosh, Full on spoilers now. Zeb! Zeb, 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 yes. Zeb. Yes. I loved it. Um, I, I texted you after I, I saw it. it. Seeing Zeb and having him interact, like actually like have like not just be a voice off screen or not just be like a voice through a speaker or something like it was it was like reuniting with an old friend. And it was so great. I just wanted to like give him a hug. And like I can only imagine what it's gonna be like to see Sabine and, and Ezra and like see and Chopper. I'm so excited, regardless regardless of what happens. Um, I know they didn't intend for it, but it, it felt like they kind of sh- threw some shade at the Kenobi series of going, Oh yeah, guys, we can translate things from animation incredibly well. Why couldn't you do that with the Grand Inquisitor? I'm sure that's not what they intended, but I'm still on that. Why does the Grand Inquisitor look so bad? And I was yeah. like, well, you couldn't translate from that from animation. Actually, you can. They did it in Revenge of the Sith in 2005. <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> yeah, and like Zeb looks really good. Like, he definitely definitely one of those like situations that could have easily dabbled into the the, the field of uncanny valley and it looked really bad but gosh it was just good to see zeb uh and just 
I like the idea of Mandalorians being like the world's uh, so the galaxy's like military, uh, you know, mercenary force. Uh, and I love the idea that Bo-Katan is going to be the, the one between both worlds. And I love that. I, I'm really excited about that. Uh, something that I, they haven't addressed quite yet. And I wish they would well, mostly because didn't have, hasn't seen it, but um, she handles the dark saber, like, like a regular sword and well I that's because she that. has a lot more years of experience with it i think that's also true that's also true but uh i i, I was a big fan of I, i'm really excited to see where they take bow i'm not saying that i'm not interested about dinjarin anymore but we are now in the realm of characters who are far like way more interesting and i'm excited for it and uh but yeah oh ooh, while i'm thinking about it um I was watching for research for this video. There's you sent me a channel recommendation on YouTube, um, uh, the, the the shit show one, uh, and yeah. it's so good. Uh, but I was watching. Dude, did you just like deep dive, like just nose Yo, deep? Dude, totally, I, like deep dive their DC and Marvel videos. Oh, and fantastic! Their Marvel, and I did not realize, I guess, how like influential John Favreau was for the beginning of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and how influential he's been like with it going forward. Uh, honestly, just gives me more more uh, fuel to my John Favreau and Dave Filoni should be the heads of of Star Wars fire. Um, yeah, fantastic. They're both incredible students. Um, I watched. Oh yeah, absolutely. I also watched um, Kyle Kinane's shot, uh, Shocks and Struts. It's a comedian I love. He's great. Finally did like a uh, a special for you know forever. Uh, and then actually this afternoon I watched uh, the Pixar story, the the documentary about the beginning. <gasps> it's of, so of Pixar. good. It's so good, and it one of those things that made me like realize like I have not watched those movies in so long and uh, I've gotten a you know really nice TV now. We've got a great sound system. Especially like with like OLED TVs now, like oh. watching Finding Nemo and that would be like, oh, so that, good. that's my so goal is that. when we get a house someday and I can actually like justify why I would get a new TV as opposed to <laughs> I just want a nicer TV. I want to get an OLED TV. So mm -hmm. that segues me perfectly into. So I haven't been watching a whole lot because I've been kind of busy playing stuff. So. I've been planning it for a little bit, and she was very much in the know for this, so it wasn't a surprise or anything. But for an early anniversary gift for Heather and I, uh, I bought a Nintendo OLED Switch. And I, yeah! I finally came and I bought a go. Switch, and I bought a, a, the OLED. Like, first of all, holding it, like, just the actual tablet form, mm -hmm. feels a lot better in my hand than I was expecting it to. Yeah! I also feel like the OLED might be just a little more sturdy than I was expecting. Um, yeah. I got it because I think Nintendo has more like party games ahead and I can play together. So as we're recording this, she's actually playing Super Mario N64 on the big TV Yay! out there. She's like, oh, that's I, great. That, that's a game that I can play because <laughs> she at first she didn't know we come. Well, if you get the that um, membership or whatever, you get like yeah. a bunch of the Game Boy Advance and N64 stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure she'll be playing that and um Mario Kart 64. So we, yeah, we did some Mario Kart, and I'm just going, oh, muscle memory. Oh, I'm dominating here. Uh, and then I also, the first three games yeah. that I bought, so we only have three games right now. We have Mario Kart Deluxe, uh, Super Mario U, okay. and because it's me, yeah. Metroid Prime Remastered, and I'm just... There you go. Metroid 
Heather and I have talked about this many times. Metroid Prime Remastered looks how my memory thinks the game was. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But also, <laughs> Metroid Prime is... I loved it as a kid, but I only could ever get so far because as a kid, I didn't play a lot of games with backtracking, and that's mm, Metroid that's in a fair. nutshell. So Metroid, you are so dependent on looking at your map and remembering where crap is. Now as an adult, I'm going, this game is incredible. I also don't know where I am. So I'm like looking <laughs> like it's a D&D &D game of like referencing my map and referencing stuff so much yeah. more. But like I've, I've already made more progress in that than I ever did as a kid. Oh, it's such a good game. Uh, only other thing I've been watching is WrestleMania this year, which Yay. people people have a bad takeaway because of the main event, which kind of sucks. Because besides the main event, it's a really solid show, top to bottom. Gunther, Drew, and Sheamus caved each other's chests in. It's glorious. Also, I know I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I will because it's injuries to others. They have a surprise return of Shane McMahon as a surprise match for The Miz. Shane does a um, leap over The Miz and tears his quad midair and can't continue. I'm going, literally the first move you do, Shane, on the biggest stage there is. Thankfully, Snoop Dogg is there to improvise and beats up The Miz. God, wrestling's weird sometimes. <laughs> like... Just the first move that Shane does. Yeah. Pulls a freaking Kevin Nash. As we referenced last week, we bring it full circle. They hurt us. Um, I'm just more curious where we go now because the main event did some choices. Uh, also, I watched WrestleMania on Saturday with my dad. Sunday with someone that had never seen anything wrestling related before. Like whatsoever. Oh, nice. They had played the 2K games, which is always a good entry drug for people but he had never seen any of it before so halfway through some of the matches he's like this is, this is pretty legit it's so I'm like You're he, legit just, he, he i think people that have never seen any form of wwe or any form of wrestling have a preconceived notion of what it is without yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. watching it so by the second or third match he's asking me all kinds of questions just like so how do they determine who wins this stuff i'm like well they will have a determined winner, but like in the match itself, that's not choreographed a hundred percent. Depends on who the wrestler is. Some guys like to call on the spot. Some guys map everything out ahead of time. It all depends on who's in there. And he's like asking this, that, or the other thing, and like trying to tell him all the storylines leading up to it. And by the end of it, he's just like, "It's it's pretty cool." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I can already tell you now. Kevin Owens is my favorite wrestler ever." I'm going, "You have discretion. You are a wise individual." And I'm like, good, Kevin's good. Uh, I'm hoping to see Air and Mario this weekend. I'm, yeah. I'm going to see if I can convince Heather to do a double feature. Because, you know, I am so mad that I'm broke this weekend because I <laughs> want to see Dragon, Dungeons and Dragons so bad. It's getting such good reviews. Do I need to sell you? <laughs> um no <laughs> well we should be good i'll figure it out but still okay so it'll be there by the end of the week i'll maybe i'll see i'll just like go spend all of sunday because for whatever reason the restaurant's closed on easter um how don't dare know they why yeah i, I mean oh, i gotta yeah, double check with my parents to make sure that the restaurant we're going to is actually open on easter i would imagine so <laughs> uh oh th that's the thing because i was like i i have never heard of a restaurant closing on Easter. Like, I know Easter for Christians is a big deal, but like, yeah, Chick fil A's closed on Easter. Chick fil A's closed yeah, on Easter. Because it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. 
Yeah. Oh, um, oh, I had. Oh, yeah. So the problem is, I still haven't seen D and D yet. I want to yep. see Air. I want to see Mario. And I feel mm -hmm. like something comes out next week too that I'm just like yep. I'm, I'm falling behind very quickly because everything decided to come out all at once. But it's a good problem to have. With that all out of the way, let's get into some news because we got bombarded with news like a couple hours before we were set to record today. So, first of all, we have known for some length of time now that Warner Brothers has been interested in doing more with the Harry Potter franchise when David Zaslav and company took over. They were on the fence about what they were doing with Fantastic Beasts, which I don't blame them. They never had the financial returns that they were kind of hoping for. So fans are always kind of skeptical of what do you mean by more Harry Potter? Are we going like Cursed Child direction of what happens to our core three after th the seven books? No, they just feel like revisiting those seven books again as it's now being reported by bloomberg of all people which i had to double do a double take when i saw that bloomberg is reporting that warner bros discovery is rebooting harry potter as a television series not as a movie series as a television series with each season focusing on one of the books in the seven series i feel like for years ever since the movies wrapped up there's been a very vocal section in the Harry Potter community that's just going, this should have been better as a TV series, because especially when you get into later books, you miss so much stuff that would just work better as a TV series, and they've wanted a TV series that is specifically this for the longest time. And I was in that camp when I was younger, but as I get older, and especially as Josh and I have had this conversation many times, that does not work for a live action format as much as i love seven out of the eight harry potter movies that they've come out with <laughs> i think those movies do an excellent job whether diehard fans want to admit it or not they do an excellent job of streamlining a lot of the narrative in the books there are so many subplots mm -hmm. some they should have kept like Neville actually being a hero and actually stepping up. His whole arc, I think, gets undercut in the movies. But there's a lot of arcs that don't need to be in the books that are just filler. Hermione having this whole free the house elves thing. Like, that doesn't really go anywhere or do anything to propel the plot. It's like, well, we need Hermione to do something in the book. I think people don't really realize there's a difference between how stories are told for movies and TV versus a book i get that harry potter is comfort food for a lot of people myself included those eight movies even though i don't like deathly hollows part one they're comfort movies for me i enjoy watching all of them and i would love to spend more time in that world that being said i don't need every last remaining detail about the Wizarding World to be explained i have more thoughts about this but i'm sure josh also has thoughts so josh Warner Bros. Discovery's remaking <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, so here's the thing. I think what's interesting is after I had seen the movies, I was definitely in a camp that was like, yeah, 
let's i would love to see this as a tv series let's explore it more get more in depth maybe there's stuff in the books that you know we are we're great we're you know greatly missing or whatever um i have now read the books and i'm gonna say that no uh we're good um i I'm, like that unfortunately the plot line with um hermione and the and the uh, house elves it absolutely doesn't go anywhere and it kind of it leaves up that is the one i think i remember reading the books and like texting you being like extremely mad like i don't understand what this does for hermione's character i don't understand what it does for the world itself the, the whole like side plot what is it, in in chambers a chamber of secrets with the, with the dragon there's like a whole side like oh cool. yeah it's like it's and it's not like a s- small side plot. Like it is legit, like a huge chunk of the book that that she just sidetracks and okay. I know that uh, you know there's a big thing going on right now, but uh, we're gonna focus on the dragon thing for uh, right now. And it's like okay, fine. Um, the only way, <laughs> the only way I'm okay with this happening is if it's not just a uh, like a reboot of the movies and they're doing you know one per season blah 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 i would love just to do this in the world like don't necessarily follow the books but like use the books as a launching pad and like you know did did the people on the other side of the planet have to deal with you know voldemort stuff did you know was voldemort only a you know a a a uk problem like what what is the i'd like to believe he was yeah like he's like, just a he's just british got talent that's about it he's americans don't yeah. care yeah because uh, to grindelwald's credit defense is fantastic beasts credit it de- definitely comes across at like grindelwald was an absolute global threat which whether it be because uh they were trying to answer the question where are the where were the wizards and the and all these wars kind of stuff questions um but i I don't care necessarily. I, I, I am intrigued to see where they go, but um, I think if book fans are looking for this to be a completely complete, accurate representation of what is in the books, um, I think we're in to be extremely disappointed because I think it'll make some, for some very boring TV, not exciting with characters that don't make sense. Um, I, I hope that, it is a you know they are going from the books, but much like the movies, they improve upon it. Hopefully, the other thing is like the MCU or Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter absolutely nailed its casting for each and every single character absolutely. in the movie series. I can't pinpoint a single bad casting choice. Like there's some characters that I don't love as much, but it's not the actors. It's that character to begin with is not great. Like, I know you're not the biggest fan of Snape, but Alan Rickman is the perfect oh, yeah. Snape. There's no I, yeah. recasting that. I know some people are like, well, what about that very clever idea that uh, I totally came up with and I didn't totally just steal from Tumblr fanfiction. What if Daniel Radcliffe is Snape this time? I'm going, stop it. Stop it. Like, yeah. everyone is I so would, perfectly I cast. Hate that. I, I hate it too. And I think Daniel would as well is the thing is he he has enough respect for his own work that uh, and I think he is I've seen him in many. I'm a big fan of him in He's general. The best as an farting actor. corpse ever. Gosh, I love him. Um, but I, I don't I think he has enough respect 
for himself and for the fandom to be like, no, like, because hey, he, how much time has he spent trying to separate him from that, from that whole, you know, franchise? Because people will always see him as, as Harry Potter and that sucks for him, but he has worked very hard to get separated from that. I just don't see him wanting to be involved again. It just doesn't, I don't think that works on but, any kind of scale. Like the original casting is so perfect. You have mm-hmm. to bat a thousand again like if you slip off slip up on anybody i get this people got recast like um richard harris passed away after the first two movies and they recast dumbledore i still prefer richard harris over michael gambin i never liked michael gambin's dumbledore but he he it almost felt like a completely different dumbledore when he took over but in his defense Dumbledore as a character evolves so much in the books. It's just like JK decided to write him differently after Richard Harris passed away. But then there's some recastings that it just, it doesn't feel right to not have that actor. Like, like I said, Alan Rickman is no longer with us. It's going to feel weird to recast him. Robbie Coltrane is no longer with us. It's going to feel weird to see a Hagrid. That's not Robbie Coltrane. It's, it's just not going to feel right. If there's one thing that I can see of, okay, maybe this is not a bad idea. It's, if it's a TV show, you can film more at once and you don't run into the issue as much of kids growing out of the role because that's fair. Yeah. After the second movie, the kids don't look their ages anymore. Like they look 17 for like the third through the fifth movie. And then they straight up look like they're mid 20 somethings. Like they're supposed to be 11 to 17, but they never actually look like it. So I don't know if that would help or be hurt by making a TV series. That could be like a yearly release thing, but I don't know. This also seems like it could be a very expensive venture, like a rings of power thing that I'm very curious to see the analytics for rings of power to see if it actually has paid off for Amazon as much as they would like to think it is or if it's just you know we spent a million dollars on advertising for rings of power so every time you get a package from us you'll get a box that says rings of power but like did it actually drive up subscription bases which at the end of the day is what this is all about it's all about Mm -hmm. subscription models and this with the projections of where we're headed with streaming services every platform is the one flagship show but you also run the risk of don't overspend for that flagship show because yeah. it's proving to not be very cost effective. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, like, so what happens when um you know you you do you know do this show do the first season for something like a hundred million or something like that? That's super low, but still, say you do do the whole season for like hundred mil, and uh, after the third episode of your ten episodes. Uh, people stop tuning in because it's not good. Um, you just wasted a whole, like millions of dollars, and now what? Are you just going to continue, or you do one season and, and back out? Even though everyone knows that there's more seasons, it, it to me it seems like it's nothing but trouble. Seems like it's nothing. It's just asking for a headache. Um, I I don't think it's good. It's a good move. Next up. We have a trailer that Josh and I have been longing mm. for forever with the upcoming Blue Beetle movie. And I'll be honest, I'm very jealous of Josh in this moment because Josh is able to watch this trailer and just go, oh, cool, that's Jaime Reyes in a Blue Beetle trailer. 
I watch this going, <laughs> oh, cool, Miguel's a superhero now. Because it's just Cholomero Duane's exact same character from Cobra Kai, just with slightly <laughs> longer hair. And I don't want to pick on this movie, because we'll talk about it in a little bit here, but slightly worse CG? Like, I want. Here's where I want to set realistic expectations. I think 3C Film had a great. Um, response to some criticisms that he's seen with some people. This movie was intended to go to HBO Max. That is why mm -hmm. it looks the way it does. That being mm -hmm. said, when it got announced, no, no, you're too good for HBO Max. We're sending you to the theaters. I would like the production to look like a movie. This looks like a direct-to-DVD movie that's really, really good. I think people have a negative stigma against direct-to-DVD movies, but being born and raised on DC animated stuff, which almost solely was straight to DVD <laughs> stuff. Straight to DVD is not necessarily bad, but it does look a little Power Rangers at time, but take CG stuff out of it. This looks like a lot of fun that I'm still worried will bomb, unfortunately. Like, this looks like a lot of fun if you're in one of two camps. Three camps, I think, actually. People that are familiar with the character, I think, will be super amped. People that are familiar with Cobra Kai are super amped. And I think people of Hispanic culture will be very amped that they are finally represented on the big screen. That's a huge plus for this movie's favor. But if you're not familiar with Blue Beetle, if you're not familiar with Sherlock doing his incredible work, if you're a boring, pasty white dude... I think you might look at this and just go, looks a little cheap, doesn't look as engaging, looks like the budget's not fully there, and we're rebooting anyway. As a Blue Beetle fan, I liked it. It sounds like I hated it, but I really like this trailer. I think the tone is perfect, and some shots of CG look incredible. Others look questionable. The one moment, though, is going to surprise you, the one moment that actually made me go, ooh, they nailed that perfectly, is when the wings appear and it cuts the bus in half because that's such an oddly specific style that the wings are. Like this like translucent light blue. It does not match the rest of it. It's not like wings type of thing, like an extension of the pairing device. It's like almost like a holographic type for Blue Beetle. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that looks perfect. Forgot George Lopez was in this. It's weird to see George Lopez, but I did kind of laugh seeing George Lopez. George Lopez just get yeeted across a room. That was entertaining. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, they, they really want to have an Easter egg. Have George Lopez playing in the background in the middle of the night on Nick at Night, as any traumatized <laughs> kid can. Uh, as the other Blue Beetle fan on this podcast, Josh, did this trailer live up to the high expectations that you had for it? Yeah. No. Yeah. I think I think it totally did. Uh, I'm. You know me. I am a little easier to please. Uh, I, I think the CGI is not as bad as some people are saying it is. Um, I got hyped. Uh, I think that really my only gripe is that the Beatles' voice is female. Uh, and also the Beatle... Um, but that's really matter. Also, the Beatle doesn't seem to have its own personality it seems very much yeah. like a friday iron man situation here like or jarvis of yeah. like a response to jaime which is not the case it is a 
It's a symbiote. It's a symbiotic relationship. It is a living yeah. organism that responds to Jaime. Jaime often does not have control over the situation. Although, yeah, because they, she does say that whoever the, the the lady that she, he's talking to, she does say is like sometimes it might listen to you. It might not. So like th- that might still be in that be in there. We're just not seeing it in the trailer. Um, that shot with him creating the giant buster store buster sword. Loved it. Huge fan. Hi, yes. Uh, uh, Hi, May the Cloud Strife, Ramirez. Like, come on, that's so cool. Uh, I just there's. I think there's a, a lot of things to that just look like a lot of fun. And regardless whether or not this ends up being a one and done, or if they secretly sneak him in under the uh, under the line into the new the new DCU. I'm I'm down. I'm gonna watch the crap out of this. Uh, you know, it just looks like a lot of fun. The suit looks great. Um, I think the wings definitely. Both the time when it uh, when he splits the bus in half, but also when he's like falling and it, the wings just come out and he's like, "Oh, okay." Uh, <laughs> like that's great. I love that. I love that a lot. My only other criticism is, and this could easily be revealed in another trailer or in the movie itself, and they're just keeping it secret. This trailer doesn't give me the sense that the Scarab is an alien. I get the sense that it's tech piece, which the Scarab is tech, but it's alien tech. It's a living, breathing thing. I get the sense that this is like like a micro bot type of situation. I'm going, that, yeah. That's not really what the symbiote is. Although, as a like uber DC sweat, I appreciated that they hid the symbiote in a big... Nah, See, now, here I go. Sin, not symbiote. I appreciate that they put the scarab in a Big Belly Burger. I'm going, That's ha! so funny. I will That's pop so anytime funny. Big Belly Burger is referenced just because it's one of those, like, deep cuts. Uh, that, but also at the end, it's like, it's like Batman. And then in the background, you get the other two Blue Beetle suits. I'm going, oh, yay! Because the whole question that people have been asking, well, at least, you know, the, the sweaty DC fans, hi, that's us, uh, is... As much as we love Jaime, and Jaime is our preferred Blue Beetle, we see Ted Cord. Yes. We see Cord Industries quite prominently in this trailer, and we know Susan Sarandon is playing a Cord, whether it's Ted Cord's wife or sister or something. So, like an E Cord, a D Cord, or an Accord. <laughs> yes. Someone's gonna drive an Accord somewhere. Geneva I want Cord. Ted Cord. <laughs> Ted Cord pulls up at the end, driving an Accord, and just goes. It's got my name on it like <laughs> but the question is where is ted like will ted show up and someone also brought the great point if they wanted to lump this into the new dc universe it would be very helpful if there was a um way to transition him into this universe and ted cord the the second blue beetle just happened to be very, very close friends with a certain DC character that James Gunn has already announced will be getting a television series in booster gold. Hmm. We could be reading too much into this because blue beetle was already like in production and scheduled yeah. under the previous regime. And it could just be a happy coincidence because fans have been apparently clamoring for booster gold. He was like the runaway hit in James Gunn's poll of like, who do you want to see the most followed Unfortunately, in the number two spot with Nightwing, he should have gotten all the voice votes that it was a rigged election. We need all the votes came out of nowhere in the mail. <laughs> um, but I, 
I'm I'm very curious where Ted Cord is or what role he'll play in this. I it looks fun. It looks kind of Power Rangers e. That bit, being but... said, we, Josh and I love 2017's Power Rangers. That's that's way better. Has any right to be? Uh, well, and also to be fair, even the comics of Blue Beetle come off a little Power Rangery. So like oh, that yeah. kind of like so that kind of like is still within the vein. Um, I I popped really really hard with anytime I, I like somebody has like a criticism of Batman. It's always so funny because I'm curious where they got it from. I need to hear George Lopez's character like explain why he thinks Batman is a, a fascist. fascist. I <laughs> love I love that line so much. I was like, wait, wait, where are you getting that? Because I'm super curious. It, they're following that peacemaker trend of what was it the old guy that was making fun of Batman? Yeah. Batman's yeah. a pansy. <laughs> like, what? It's just a popular thing to make fun of Batman now. I mean, yeah, but like, it, it's it's deserved most of the time if we're honest. The other trailer that dropped that I'm sure Josh is scratching his head big time for this is Marvel's upcoming Secret Invasion series, which my anticipation has been pretty low for this. I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, it's probably about a 3. I'll be honest, after this trailer, it's probably a 6.5. It's not like my most anticipated series, but it looks like... Really? Yeah, actually, it looks like Marvel finally realized, oh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's a really good actor. You, you think we should use him more? You, you know, we should put him in a, like a spy thriller, like like he kind of was in Winter Soldier. People like Winter Soldier, right? <laughs> like, let, let's just do that. But like, like a spy thriller, like that FX show, The Americans. You, you all remember that? As I just pull that reference out of nowhere. Um, I actually dug this trailer a lot. And I, I know Josh's criticism going into this. Um, I don't know, let him get into it. I wasn't expecting what Josh was expecting. I thought another show is what Josh is expecting for that. I Uh, think that's another show. I always was under the impression that this was a Nick Fury show. And I think it's interesting that they make a point of like, there's no superheroes in the show because the scrolls would take those heroes powers, which I'm going, that's a, all right. That's actually more logic and reasoning for most Marvel projects of why Avengers don't show up. Like, it's it's actually dangerous for you to show up, and we need non-powered people to, to be here for this. That's a clever idea. I like a good, like, spy espionage thriller if it's done right. It's why I still hold Winter Soldier as one of the top three, if not top two, MCU movies of all time. I love Winter Soldier for that very grounded and realistic approach, and that's what this feels like. It does also kind of feel like a retcon to the scrolls from their introduction to Captain Marvel. Just like, yeah, we know they're supposed to be bad, but uh, we're building a super scroll. Does it make you feel better? I'm like, <laughs> I guess. Um, I I dug this trailer. It feels it feels tonally very different than other Marvel stuff, and I'm totally okay with that. But Josh, Josh absolutely hated this trailer. What'd you think? <laughs> yeah yeah if you if you follow me on twitter i was not a fan i i and maybe i need to go back and rewatch the first trailer they released that the that kind of got put the show on everybody's radar i feel like i was really hot on that first trailer and thought i was i was i thought I was, that was the one that got me really excited um 
I'm excited, I guess, for Samuel Jackson to actually have a prominent role and actually like have like some good screen time and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I guess maybe this trailer was just boring to me. I, I'm I'm not 100% sure why. Uh, obviously, my criticisms that, oh, I thought this was the Don Cheadle thing was uh, me not <laughs> me much like marvel forgetting that uh armor wars were are, is going to be a thing um sure okay uh the scrolls look better in this i think uh the, the characters look better i i'm not really 100 sure i think i need to go back and watch back to back the the first trailer and then this one and see maybe my expectations were just different or off or something uh i guess i just didn't realize that it was going to be like a essentially a um oh my gosh i just blanked a samuel jackson solo film i guess uh, i just yeah it's fine i uh, did question for you though because you know how my brain works and sometimes i just forget things dangerously did they ever explain why uh, nick fury was not on the planet like in any movies or, or show it, all i remember is the end credits for, or like um was it far from yeah it was far from home that they they're just like he was on a spaceship the whole time going we we ever gonna get some backstory on that one or yeah, no that's all i remember so maybe we'll get some information planet. here i have heard this theory for what feels like years now that roadie is a scroll and has been forever which i'm going that would be interesting but my theory has always been, at least for a little bit now, Don Cheadle's roadie is a scroll, and Terrence Howard's roadie is roadie. Like, if you really wanted to get uber meta with it. Like, yeah, I don't know if Terrence Howard would be cool with that, though. <laughs> All things considered. Yeah, he can't be any more mad, though. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still I feel bad because... Terrence Howard is who I actually prefer as Rhodey over Don Cheadle. As much as I like Don Cheadle as an actor, I just I never bought the relationship between him and Iron Man as much. And I know Terrence Howard still is beefing with Marvel, but more specifically, he seems to be beefing with Robert Downey Jr., which contracts don't work that way. That It's not Robert Downey Jr.'s fault. It's Ike Perlmutter's yeah. fault for being cheap and not wanting to pay you. Like cheap and racist let's let's make sure that we say oh, that yeah out cheap loud. and absolutely racist y'all be happy that ike perlmutter was just fired by bob Iger many years too late because when they recasted um terrence howard with don Cheadle, ike perlmutter was known for saying it's okay people won't be able to tell the difference with them i'm going excuse, excuse me? me yeah like uh, he's uh. ike perlmutter is also the reason we didn't get a female-led superhero movie with black widow until after he was no longer in charge and was relegated yeah. to the TV and merchandising department. He also oversaw Inhumans. Make of that what you will. <laughs> yeah. I At the end of the day, I'll, I'm going to watch the show because I, like you, love a good spy thriller. And also consider um, Winter Soldier one of the best Captain America, if not one of the best uh, Marvel movies to date. So bring it on, I guess. <laughs> Next up. Disney, why do you keep doing the things you do? Why, why do you keep being the dumb? Um, because Disney has had a trend recently. Not recently. They've been doing it ever since that terrifying 
Jungle Book movie that we always bring up. Disney's remaking the wrong movies hand over fist. They keep making the wrong movies as I shout to high heaven with Josh in unison. Where's Treasure Planet? Uh, but apparently today during a shareholders meeting, The Rock took to social media to announce that they're doing a live action remake of Moana, to which I just look directly at Dwayne and go, so you're on your first losing streak of your career. And you wanted to put a jobber out there to guarantee an easy win because you're having a little bit of a midlife crisis right now. Is that is that oh. what the problem is? The Rock, for the first time in his career, whether he wants to admit it or not, whether his fans want to admit it or not, he's not the most popular guy right now. And his name doesn't carry the weight that it used to. Black Adam and Shazam 2, I think I'm still on this, I think has hurt his credibility a little bit. And even before that. Jungle Cruise wasn't particularly good or well-received. I think for the first time in his career acting-wise, mm -hmm. he's kind of on the back foot and wants just a quick, easy, quote-unquote, success that he can latch on to because he burned his bridge with Fast and Furious, so he's not doing a Hobbs and Shaw sequel. He's, he's burned a couple bridges recently. No one works harder in Hollywood than The Rock. Trust me, he told me himself. He's so humble that way. Um, but... <laughs> Get him, Nate. Get him. <laughs> I hate him so much. I think he's talented when he puts his own ego aside, but that so rarely happens these days. But I, I feel like he's just doing this because it's easy money. And he right now, he needs an easy win. I don't blame him for going for the easy win. Every once in a while, you need to beat up the jobber after you just got your ass handed to you by the actual main eventers. Um, but... <laughs> This this is dumb. Yeah, this is I, dumb. This movie's not old enough to be remade. Like they're like, we're doing it with the original actors. Cool, I guess. But at the same time, with Disney's track record, I got on Little Mermaid for this, especially of you have this weird trend of some things don't need to be super realistic. The joy of Moana, besides this beautiful storytelling, is how beautiful the movie looks visually. Everything yeah. pops off the screen. Water has never looked better animated. The the ocean, mm, foliage, mm, hey, hey, mm. Like, it all just looks great. But you know if they make it live action, look how realistic it looks. This water, we actually filmed it off the coast of Hawaii. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I like water. Mm. That's, that's pretty, but like... It's maybe that it's just that hyper realism that can only be achieved through animation because, wow, Hollywood animation is actually a credible medium for storytelling that you should absolutely respect more. That's another soapbox that I'll <laughs> that's stand a, that's on. That's a whole other soapbox, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so funny. I and I'm not gonna call her out directly, but um, well, I guess me by me saying this, I, I am calling her out. But uh, one of my brother's uh, girlfriends, she does not like animated movies because they're not real or whatever and like i i get it i understand that is the real housewives yeah it, it, animation isn't for everybody i understand that yes it never, is find will, the right movie and you will love it no 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 i know but i will never ever force a medium on anybody okay again what about a large look, i i i the medium uh they Venti. i i literally gave him and her a uh, a whole like list of movies like that like that i felt they would love and they've been going through it and have been loving them so i'm hoping that's my like my in to be like yes yes okay <laughs> like that kind of stuff but uh 
I, like you said, this movie's not even old enough. Like, and uh, we're kind of skipping some movies here, guys. Um, yeah, where's my we... Home on the Range live action reboot? <laughs> no, no. But like, I agree. Like the with your your assessment, the more modern movies that we get, the harder and harder I think it's going to be to make them live action, or the more pointless it's going to be to make them live action because i mean like to all of their credit um like aladdin looks better live action it looks like it's cool uh, animated but looks looks better live action like certain things like that like because that movie embraced the colors and the pop yes I, i agree and like as much you can say what you want about beauty and the beast but it at least to me looks better in live action if you're looking going from a visual only but i to me that's not the one even if we don't bring up treasure planet or atlantis like it's just like hercules uh uh, uh well like, we're getting hercules i know but like there's so many more Big i think i would hero r- six gosh dang it there's so many more that i feel like would be better as live action adaptations and i just I guess I'm tired of princess movies. I know that we're not the target demographic. I get that. But at the same time. It don't matter. It don't matter for the demographic. I'll say a sentence that our listeners will never have expected from me, but I will stand by this. It makes more sense for Disney and it's a better choice for Disney to do a live action frozen than Moana. I would rather Disney remake Frozen than Moana. And maybe this is because I don't care if Frozen gets ruined, but Moana is magical. Frozen makes more sense. (laughs) Frozen is Disney's biggest moneymaker of all time. You've already made it like a stage play, a stage musical. So it's already kind of been adapted into live action form. And also, Frozen is one of those that you could just bring the actual actors back that still kind of works some of the actors are probably a little older than their characters but or dude i'm not going to lie if they said we're getting a live action tangled i actually would like i would genuinely be excited for that because tangled is fantastic and the only cgi you use is for pascal because or, <gasps> and then you can pitch a Pascal to voice Pascal. So no, get out, get out, no, no, get out. Um, but even like maybe that like to me, I see this as an opportunity to breathe new life into other into projects that didn't maybe do so well. Yeah, Chicken do Little starring action, Zach Braff. Do do Brave. Brave neat like it has a great like structure for a story, but it doesn't quite hit the notes it needs to. You have a second crack at it in live action. Let's go. Why not? I mean, I understand that like that can definitely come off as a no, no, this indigenous story. We don't need more. Give me more white women. Like that's not, but that's not what I'm saying here. I think the point here is that Moana is pretty new. Like we're talking maybe within the last five years. So it like, it just, it doesn't, it, it hits a note for me. That's definitely like, why that one it's, outside like we know why it's the rock it's, it, it just it's screams the, desperation yeah. from him yes. of like hey in this movie i got to play a sexy uh sexy tattooed polynesian god and then i just want to do that again and feel good about myself because 
I spent all this money in the XFL and it's probably not delivering as much as I kind of hoped. And for the first time in my career, I might not be in the box office draw that I used to be. And WrestleMania was a success, even though they turned, I turned them down and thought that'd be a huge mistake on my part. I, I'm really becoming not a fan of the rock. You watch though. Disney will make even weirder choices. They'll be like, y'all, we're going to remake brother bear with real bears. A part of me would really like that. I that part of me would love that. Are you kidding me? Except this time, you just have Phil Collins following the bears around, just <laughs> making music. Like they don't like, acknowledge Phil oh, Collins is there. He's just in the background like, live. Oh, like even like a live action like Tarzan would be amazing. Are you kidding me? Well, like I mean, an Scarsgard did Tarzan one Tarzan movie, not like oh let's do one where after he leaves the jungle, like no, give me like an actual Tarzan movie. Oh, the book is so good. Let him snap, snap monkey, uh, monkey's necks. Let's do it. Or like, li a live action John Carter could be cool. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> Sorry, I got on an Edgar Rice Burroughs kick there with Tarzan. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> Disney, you shot yourself in the foot for John Carter so that Star Wars could succeed. Look how well that ended up going for you. Well, lastly for our news, it is a topic solely for... Everyone in the universe not named me. Um, I put I included this one just for Josh, and I know people care about this one. And even as someone <laughs> that actively hates this movie, I am happy with this news, believe it or not. I'm happy for all people involved because I still think it's pretty cool. And that is that apparently we're getting an anime adaptation of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Cool for those that enjoy it. But more importantly, basically every single person from the movie is coming back for this animation. And I'm going, that's pretty cool, too. I'm happy for all involved. I'm more just amazed that somehow, some way, you got everyone to come back for this. You somehow yeah. had the budget for this. Because as much as I despise Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and again, it's... Everything to do with the main protagonist. The style is exceptional. Edgar Wright's directing is exceptional. But Scott Pilgrim is honestly the worst protagonist in movie history. And I despise everything about him. The movie's incredibly well casted with yeah. on the cusp of being big someday actors. Of You've yes. got, honestly, the best character in the entire movie, Chris Evans. Um, right on the cusp of being the big name that he would be. Brie Larson. Uh, Brandon Ralph, right when that very narrow window when his name actually meant something. Um, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Brandon, that was mean. Um, Michael Sarah, yay. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, Kieran Culkin before he got really big with Succession. Like yeah. Edgar Wright was really ahead of the curve on that one that he got that Culkin and not the other one. And the other one, there's three Culkins, I think. Um, yes, there is. And Macaulay, Macaulay, he, he, Macaulay he, is super cool now. He's like, so cool. I love seeing him on Red Letter Media. Um, also, as <laughs> much as I don't like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, it does have one of my favorite jokes of all time. Hey, is Scott home? No, he just <laughs> left. As he bails out the window, I'm going, oh, that's a great so sight good. gag. But as someone that's a fan of the franchise, speak on behalf of the fandom of Scott Pilgrim. Josh, what does this news mean to you? I am excited about it. I think the... Especially if they go with the same type of art from the comic or from the game, um, I, I think it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. Um, having everybody reprise the roles, it's going to be cool. 
what I hope happens, and this is for you, Nate, is that they go with the book version of events and not with the comic book version of events and not the movie version of events because they're very different. The whole thing that happens with Kim is in the books. They show and explain everything on why he ended up leaving and all that and why, like, for better or for worse, it is uh, him and Kim is an example of sometimes things just don't work. Uh, it, it is. It, there's so much in the in the comic books that is so much better. And there's a lot more material the, too. I know there's a bunch there, of books. There's that. There's that as well. There's like eight, I think, total. Um, it's it. The ending is way more satisfying. The like it. It does not end in the way that. Well, I do think he does still end up with Ramona. The path to which they get there is way different uh, than than the movie, and I appreciate that a lot. I, I think the while I agree in the first half of the movie, while Scott is all the way leading up to the kind of final confrontations, while Scott is genuinely a, not a good person, um, I think where he ends up in the end is a he is a better version of him uh albeit that neither roman ramona or or knives should have taken him back but that's not the point i guess of uh, course he ends up being best be... friends with himself because that's the only person yes. he cares about yeah yeah there's that but uh, yeah anyway uh <laughs> i like i said i hope they they go off of the comic book version of events and not the um not the movie version of events so we can get multiple seasons uh, uh i just ho- like well, i just like anime in general so like yeah let's bring it on it is netflix so don't get your hopes up for multiple seasons um oh fair <laughs> uh, from what i remember one of your roommates in college was a huge scott pilgrim versus the world fan so was uh, it you was or like- was it you or Nezlo that had the comics? Uh, Weslo. That's what yeah. I thought. Um, he, because uh, I remember I, seeing some of those and seeing the artwork. So I think especially the anime style fits Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. so well. And the movie is already just a live action anime and the over-exaggeration of things, mm-hmm. the living, breathing comic book panels, so to speak. Um, I often say Aquaman is probably the most like comic booky comic book movie out there, but Scott Pilgrim probably has to be up there as well in terms oh, of yeah. just like absolutely, it's literally recreating panels at times, or it just feels like you're reading still images, seeing still images brought to life, um, which is very cool artistic flair. But you can get away with that even more so with animation. So I think that would get even more clever and wacky and more true to the. Mm-hmm. source material like the movie is pretty good with it but as much as people want to look down on animation we keep tooting the horn of oh, i'll get to another point in just a second here um we keep tooting <laughs> the horn of animation as an actual medium and maybe someday we'll actually believe us so the thought that i had is there's a friend of ours i'm trying to remember if he listens to the podcast or not but he was he's kind of all ranting about people don't respect voice actors to which I was agreeing with him at that point to which he's just like, can you even name five voice actors to which I'm off the top of your head without looking it up? And I'm just going, excuse me. I can name 25 to 30 voice actors off the top of my head without looking it up. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? I am. What's that bowling line? Who do you think you are? I am like, come on now. Everyone should know at least five to ten voice actors. I think that that should be the standard going forward in my book. Uh, but I'm 
I'm not saying I'm looking forward to this, but I think the fans of the material are going to be looking forward to this. So in that sense, I'm happy for them. Good, good for you. I'm glad when people get, when fans of certain material have something to look forward to. I think that's super cool. As per usual, this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch, mugs, um, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo on it, or other fantastic designs, a tinfoil hat theory. Go support the show that way, but also go check out the show wherever you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, now we get to talk about a really fun topic that. It's always kind of weird to think about the what ifs. I think we almost did this topic once when what if was coming out or it's been yeah. on. So Josh and I have like a shared Google Doc of like uh, podcast ideas to use someday of just like that way. We always have something in reserve of like, OK, we've got plenty of ideas that way. Also, if something comes to us randomly, but we don't want to use it necessarily this week, save mm -hmm. it for a later day. This one's been on our docket for a little bit, and I think now is a good time to use it because Guys, if you've never went down the insane rabbit hole that is unmade comic book movies, you might not Dude. come back because stuff gets weird. So how I was planning on doing this, and Josh, we could do a different approach if you want to do it that way, is um, I have a couple from different characters. So I was thinking yeah. of like approach it character by character. Like there's multiple Superman, there's multiple Batman, there's multiple Spider-Man. So um I'm sure Josh and I have mm -hmm. some different ones, but we'll we'll approach it by character first. Does that work? Okay. So yeah, I'm down with that. I I I tried to I only I only have I have 12. Uh, I kept I yeah, I have 12. I kept um the real like uh, 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 inspiration for this list outside of like all the canceled DC project lately, um, kind of off of it. Um, just because I think that's something that I kind of want to mention, but then point to the doc documentary that's on YouTube, um, about Superman unfortunately lives. it's on YouTube. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel, I, um, I still feel really bad about that. I'm, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into it later. So we'll, we'll talk about that movie yeah, last. Yeah. So we'll save yeah. that character for last then. Cause that was more okay. or less the inspiration for that. Um, cool. So we'll, let's talk about some of the one-offs. Um, and some of these, if you've been following comic book movie news or just movie news in general, some of these might ring a bell. So this might be like a fun trip down memory lane of going, oh, yeah. yeah, that was a thing that was supposed to happen, wasn't it? And other times we're probably going to bring up some really painful memories like <laughs> our first one, the character of Magneto of... Oh, yeah! Ian yeah, McKellen's yeah, yeah. Magneto. Everyone loves him from the Fox X-Men movies. Y'all remember X-Men Origins Wolverine starring Hugh Jackman? Well, naturally be Hugh Jackman, but that one Wolverine movie that everyone hated so much that they more or less kind of semi-rebooted it with The Wolverine, which honestly, I feel like The Wolverine is like the Batman Begins of the Fox X-Men of no one really talks about it nearly as much as they should yeah. nowadays because they're like, Logan, 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 oh, Logan. I'm going, Wolverine's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's better than X-Men Origins Wolverine. So why do we talk about X-Men Origins right after we talked about Magneto? X-Men Origins Wolverine was supposed to be the start of a separate spin-off franchise within X-Men. That's why you saw such a heavy marketing push. I remember seeing X-Men Origins merch 
everywhere. Remember, for some reason, them being on like every Papa John's pizza box everywhere for a small amount of time. They were pushing it so hard yeah. because yeah, they were going to give all the big X-Men characters, X-Men Origins, colon, insert character for multiple movies. And next up was X-Men Origins Magneto. That was the next movie that was supposed to come out in this Origins series, to which I'm going, but we know Magneto's origin. We, we saw his, his... It. It's the opening scene of the first X-Men movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> and I think, like, we actually, like, go... Well, I guess, technically, I guess First Class comes afterwards, because then they, they go through his... Uh, his origin again in X-Men first class. Um, but yeah, I remember that. I remember you being super stoked about it, but the uh, X-Men first class is ultimately where some of the story material yeah. from X-Men origins, Magneto would end up going. So I, if I remember correctly, they were going to use Ian McKellen and do de-aging stuff to which I'm going, Oh uh, yes, I remember uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine and how you de-age Patrick Stewart, this would have ended horribly because that Patrick Stewart is still the waxiest, uncomfortably unrealistic CGI monster. It just does not look right. Uh, de-aging was not there yet. Um, so whether it would have been like recasting or not, but a lot of the story elements that were going to be in that ended up going to Michael Fassbender's Magneto in X-Men First Class, which is a outstanding movie and i i'm curious if they would have still cast michael fassbender for this movie because as you'll see hollywood tends to remember people and so just because you didn't get a certain part henry cavill uh doesn't mean you can't someday get that part later on henry cavill mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering if michael fassbender might have been up for x-men origins magneto and then when that fell apart and they were looking for a new magneto for first class they're going hey how about that one dude that we tried that one time? Or like how Army Hammer was almost Batman at one time because he's a creature of the night and stalks innocent people. Um. <laughs> Which is great that you bring this up to begin with because I have something from the, about that era of X-Men as well. Uh, also a result of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, one of the titular characters that helps Logan get along his way in that movie is Gambit. And for oh, a long time, this there hurts. was a, yeah, this deep cut. There was a Channing Tatum starring Gambit movie in the works. Script was written. The Channing had signed on, signed on allegedly movie was paused for production and then restarted and then paused and then restarted and then paused and then restarted. And then eventually we just stopped hearing about it. <laughs> We're just kind of like, what's really funny is when it was first announced, I, I feel like both you and I were very much like, um, no, good. Thank you though. Appreciate it. Uh, but then like, I think didn't Tatum like release a video of him with the accent and we were kind of like, okay. See, I, I, I don't think I ever it. heard him with the accent. I think for me, it was seeing him in both the jump street movies and going, Oh, Oh, true. You can actually be a versatile actor and actually be really, really funny. I don't think I ever heard him in the accent. The accent was always the one thing for some reason that he always just stuck to. That he's just like, we're going to do it. I'm going to have the accent. I'm like, but what's the character going to be like? I'm going to have the accent. Like, why are you so hung up on the accent, man? Like, also, as much as we bag on X-Men Origins Wolverine, 
and as much as I'm curious to see what Channing Tatum would have done with Gambit, Taylor Kitsch deserves more praise as Gambit. He's actually pretty he good does. in that movie. He's he, so good. He actually has a... He's one of the few bright spots in that movie, and poor Taylor Kitsch had, like, three movies in a row in 2011 and 2012 that just, like, sunk his career. He was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, Battleship, and John Carter. Like, back to back to back. I'm like, dude, fire your those, agent. Oh, I'm so... That makes me so sad, because, like, he's he's genuinely, like, a, like a good actor, and I... He, John Carter could have been huge for him. And X-Men Origins could have been huge for him, which is just sucks for him. Um, gosh, man, talk about an unlucky, uh, unlucky role. Yeah, like you said, fire your agent. Yeah, I, I, why do I get the sense that Kevin Feige will be like, in Secret Wars, we're going to have Channing Tatum do a quick cameo as Gambit because diehard fans will know that and get that reference because that's unfortunately where Kevin Feige's head's been at of like, let's do the deep cut references. You remember that yeah. time that Tom Cruise was almost Iron Man? What if we have consider him for that cameo? Apparently, that was never on the table, but I'm going, See, he would do something would like that. Absolutely prefer, though, that over them bringing back Ro- uh, Robbie Downey Jr. Like, I, if we're going to bring Iron Man back, make it a different Iron Man all, can, all like entirely. Uh, we had, uh, Tom Cruise with a goatee basically looks exactly like... Exactly like Tony Stark. So, so uh, I didn't intend for this to happen, but a perfect segue here is talking about the MCU. There is a movie in the MCU that, when it was originally conceived, was not meant to be in the MCU. It was meant to be its own standalone thing. And then, when it became in the MCU, the director left, and the movie drastically changed. If you don't know about it, it's one of the most infamous what-ifs in Marvel history. Not the animated series, but the movie Ant-Man, directed by Scott Pilgrim vs. the Worlds, Edgar Wright. I am so incredibly curious what this movie was going to be before Peyton Reed changed it. Peyton Reed and Kevin Feige. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't mind the Ant-Man movies that we've got. Quantumania is kind of like whatever. Uh, Peyton May- Peyton Reed, Peyton Manning, Peyton Reed does a <laughs> fairly adequate job with the Ant-Man movies. That being said, the Ant-Man movies in particular, I feel like it's a Moneyball situation of like the GM is speaking through the coach and I don't really get the coach's fingerprints on the movie mm-hmm. itself type of thing. Like yeah. Kenneth Branagh, it feels like a Kenneth Branagh movie for Thor, that first Thor movie. Taika Waititi, for better or for worse, Ragnarok and Love and Thunder feel like a Taika Waititi movie. There's no really unique traits to Peyton yes. Reed's Ant-Man movies that make me go, that's Peyton Reed. That being said, he did some fantastic work on Mandalorian. Uh, but Edgar Wright, when you're watching an Edgar Wright movie, you know it's yeah, an Edgar know. Wright movie. So I'm curious what Ant-Man would have been. Cast Simon Pegg as Yellow Jacket, please. Knowing Edgar Edgar Wright, he, Simon Pegg would have been in the film somewhere. Uh, yeah, no, I actually have this on my list. Simon as well. Pegg um, as Hank Pym. See, I don't hate that at all. I kind of love that. Um, ah, jeez. But like, yeah, they, they wrote a treatment um, in 2008, right before Iron Man. But it was like supposed to be its own thing, separated from the, that was before the MCU was a thing. Uh, and from what I've read, at least now, I don't know if like. 
I tried to be careful what sources I was pulling from. Um, but from what I've heard, it the gist of the plot is almost it's it's very similar to what we ended up getting. Um, it's just you know obviously having different directors at the helmet and writing and stuff like that would have been way would have put the film at a different spot. But it's crazy to think that Edgar Wright Edgar Wright's almost almost um, directed like basically wrote and direct uh, Ant Man. I'm very curious as to like you said what that would have actually looked like, especially with with Wright's style. Um, having a character that can go big and small would have been so wild. <laughs> I would have loved to see like the stunt work that he put in for Baby Driver in yes. an Ant Man movie, but also Ed writes a lot like James Gunn. Of you get them for their unique directorial style, but you also get them for what they're gonna bring with the soundtrack. And mm-hmm. oh, I would have loved to see what they do with that with an Edgar Wright Ant Man soundtrack. This this is one of those like great what ifs that never really went anywhere but it's also one of those like amicable splits from everything we've heard edgar wright still appreciates kevin foggy kevin foggy still appreciates yeah. um edgar wright they're just like hey when you took when you were doing this project it just took too long and it's not what we're trying to go with anymore when you were trying to do this the character was still available to be worked on that that's not the case anymore it, it happens i feel bad but at the same time i understand that it doesn't fit in their plans and everything was totally amicable. Yeah. And from what I hear too, like Edgar just got busy too, as well. It was one of those like, well, I don't necessarily have time for this in the next three years. Unfortunately, guys, I'm sorry. So like it it was as amicable as you could be. Um, While we're talking about Marvel, (laughs) let's, uh, let's bring up, I don't know if this is on your list. I'll be curious. I, 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 but curious if it is uh, black panthers cooler's version of black panther is very it's it's good it's definitely a high point in the marvel universe uh but at one point there was a time when wesley snipes was at his peak in action stardom that he was he was poised to at least write but also star in a black panther movie i know uh, of it, it but no it's not on my list dude i love me some wesley snipes i he is so cool um you know up until the point he went to jail for tax evasion uh but (laughs) he's out now and has not been in the public eye really at all um i would love if he showed up uh, up again in some way shape or form in the marvel universe but um the project never got above the writing stage and it just kind of he, he snipes got busy or went to jail i'm not really sure about the timeline about the uh, of this but just having like a a wesley snipes black panther would have been so stinking cool it was supposed to be like really like martial art obviously it's snipes really like martial arts focused and like very like in his words of he would have been set in a very rich culturally culturally diverse crap hole um (laughs) So I just it'd be very interesting to see what kind of Wakanda they would have brought, but ultimately, like Coogler's version is is peak. It's pretty it's pretty darn good. So I think my next movie was probably right around that same time that Wesley Snipes was working on his Blade movie. James Cameron is one of the biggest names in the world today because of Avatar and Titanic and Terminator Two. He almost dabbled into the world of comic book movies 
I think it was the mid to late 90s with Spider-Man. So there was this big old bidding war in the 90s. So he was developing Spider-Man. We're not going to talk about it, but apparently Michael Jackson almost bought the rights to Spider-Man and cast himself in the movie. That's a whole other <laughs> hee hee web away. Like, I don't even need that visual. Boo, um, get away. <laughs> but, but that's what the kids say. Um, oh. But... <laughs> But James Cameron was, I feel like he even had a script. I got got dark like Spider-Man 3. Um, James Cameron, I feel like, even had a script treatment for a Spider-Man. But for one reason or another, it didn't really go anywhere. James Cameron would have had Leonardo DiCaprio as Peter Parker, to which I immediately just go, no. Peter's Peter's average-looking. Even Tom Holland, Tom Tom Holland's a good looking dude, but Tom looks pretty average as Peter Parker. Yeah. The best looking Spider-Man we've ever gotten is Andrew Garfield, and I think he's too handsome to be Spider-Man, unless it's like the ultimate Spider-Man, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Leo, Leo's too good. He's too much of a heartthrob to be Peter Parker. But interesting enough, though, there are certain elements of the James Cameron Spider-Man that ended up sticking around into story beats for sam raimi's spider-man which is what we ended up getting the whole web shoots out of the skin and not a web shooter that came from james cameron's script not sam raimi's that's where that comes from to which i'm just going oh so i could be bad at james cameron for that not sam raimi because what an incredibly (laughs) dumb and gross decision like I'm glad this movie never came out from everything we've heard. James Cameron was going to take it to a very weird place. Like the whole movie was going to be like a metaphor for puberty in general. I'm going. Yeah. Wasn't he going to be like, uh, he was like, like a creeper on like, MJ or something like that. Yeah. Like he was going to be like a peeping Tom and whatnot. Like it was going to be super weird, dude. It comes full circle. Michael Jackson was cast himself. As... Nope. 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 Move it on. Move it on. Uh, it almost works up... because Michael Jackson is also an MJ. Oh gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, 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 I also have a Spider-Man on my list. It wasn't James Cameron because I didn't want to talk about the creepy part of that. Uh, but uh, it's uh, Toby Hooper's Spider-Man that was almost became oh. uh, fruition. Um, he, yeah, you know the one that was going to be half spider and half human. Um, you know the one that was written by two people who had no idea who Spider-Man was or what his powers were, other than that he was popular. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Glad that never happened. Thanks. <laughs> uh, then lastly, we have yet another Spider-Man because Yay! Spider-Man all around. Uh, we could talk about Amazing Spider-Man three, in which case we would have revealed that Ben Parker was not Ben Parker, Richard Parker. Peter Parker's dad was actually alive. You can even find evidence of this. You can find yes. a deleted scene from Amazing Spider-Man 2 where Andrew Garfield discovers that his dad's alive and they like have this surprisingly really well done scene at the gravestone of just like Peter yelling and screaming at his dad of just like, where were you? Why didn't you tell me that you were alive? You led me to believe that mom and you were dead for all these years. Why didn't you do anything? Like it's honestly some of the best acting from Andrew Garfield. But guys, basic Spider-Man 3 would have taken some weird choices. Like, there was like a scientist that could have <laughs> potentially brought Gwen back to life and Dark um, the magic blood. Mad- yes. 
I don't know why the writer of Amazing Spider-Man 2, who is also the writer for Star Trek Into Darkness, is obsessed with magic blood. Uh, but magic Amazing Spider-Man 3 is going to get real weird. Not as weird, though, as Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 4. Oh, this gosh. one... I'll talk more about this one because we know more about this one yeah, in yeah, comparison yeah. to Amazing Spider-Man 3. We know certain details about that, but it's more speculative. We have straight up like facts and almost casting lists for Spider-Man 4. It would have had John Malkovich as the vulture. I'm going, uh, I actually can kind of see that. And Anne Hathaway would have been Black Cat. God, that's an interesting decision there. Um. Yeah, yeah black cat, but also then later it becomes Catwoman. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay, I heard. I'm sure Nolan <laughs> had no influences whatsoever in that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, th- lots of weird stuff for for Spider Man Four to be sure. He, yeah, it. I'm sure it would have gotten the franchise back more on track from Spider Man Three, but at that point. It just needed to be rebooted. It just needed to die. It needs to die. It deserves to die at this point. Um, <laughs> you have any other Marvel stuff, Josh? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Because the rest of mine are DC. I do. I have one more. I have one more. Um, it, I am unsure of as far as like when this was being pitched, but um, there was a Daredevil that was being written and directed by Joe uh, Carnegie, Carnahan. Um, he wanted, it was like after the, the Ben Affleck one and they wanted to reboot it cause they still wanted to do something with Daredevil cause he's, he's cool. He has a great character. Absolutely. Um, and it was right before, uh, Netflix did their adaptation. So he pitched a, a, an R rated reboot that was like, you know, obviously much darker and grittier. Um, it basically having the only thing that we really know is that it would be a three, it'd be a trilogy. It'd be daredevil 73, daredevil 79, daredevil 85. It's basically just fall using music to travel through daredevil's, uh, kind of like meta metamorphosis as a hero, I guess not really. They would have used the yellow suit just to piss off Josh. Yes, they would have. And it would have been like a bright yellow, not like a gold yellow like they, they did in She-Hulk. Hey, the She-Hulk yeah. one looked great. It does. No, it looks great. That's my, my point, though, is that it's not the yellow. It's not, it is not the mustard yellow suit because the mustard yellow looks awful. So <laughs> the rest of the movies that we'll talk about is DC because for the most part, when Marvel announces a movie, for the past couple of years, they actually get it done. Eventually. DC, you think DC start stop now? Guys, it used to be so, so much worse in terms of just throw an idea out in the ether, let it stir for a little bit, and then it'll just be quietly canceled with no resolution whatsoever. Case in point, the giant albatross that has been over DC for 10 15 years i feel like i'm just like oh yeah that was announced and we've heard nothing about it since guillermo del toro's justice league dark this has been gosh man what what happened to here but also the thing is this has had an evolution guillermo del toro was originally attached to it to direct and write for quite a while and then all of a sudden he just dropped out but he said i'll stay on as a producer and doug lyman was brought on as a director. I'm going, 
okay. I'm not really familiar with him doing, like, dark, like, mystical stuff. He does a lot of action movies. Doug Liman's a pretty competent action director. I like Doug Liman, but it always felt like a weird pick. And then they always said, oh, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And then no development. I always thought Guillermo was a better fit for it, for sure. It's just right up his alley, especially after the Hellboy movies. But we never got any development on it. Mm -hmm. I think we'll get Justice League Dark now with, especially now that we're getting a Swamp Thing uh, series or uh, movie in James Gunn's DCU. So they could be setting up Justice League Dark. It's just, oh, this one's particularly frustrating because it seems like a match made in heaven, like Guillermo del Toro doing the Frankenstein. Guillermo del del Toro doing Justice League Dark just makes me sad. It sing it sings all the right notes to me. For I, I I was really hoping that this was real. Apparently, and I cannot confirm this. I've seen like screen caps of 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 tweets and stuff like that. Apparently, there is a full script that he wrote out there. It's not obviously available to the public, but it is absolutely out there in some. That's the interesting uh, thing. Know, is some of these vault. movies that we're talking about today, you can actually still find full scripts for out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is like, and apparently, unsurprisingly, Gamma de Toro's Justice League Dark was a re- the script is really, 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 really good. So, uh, just you know, put that salt in the wound there, buddy. <laughs> And yeah. like to Toro's credit, he is a very busy man. He is always working. Um, I know, like you know, sometimes some people will only see, you know, one of his movies every like once a year or something like that. But he's put he puts out content like crazy, whether it's a producer or director. So, I, I, I at the end of the day, like if something wasn't moving forward or maybe wasn't moving forward in a direction that he wanted the project to go, I would not be surprised if he was like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to part ways. All right, what what you got next? Because I still have quite a bit, but I'm trying to think of like the best way to structure it. You're good. Um, since we're talking about him, um, I want to talk about the the rumors that were around, confirmed or otherwise, <clears throat> about Hellboy three, Del Toro's uh, Hellboy three that was supposed to happen after the Golden Golden Army. So for those that haven't watched those movies, first of all, go watch them. They're great. They're actually a lot of fun. Um. But at the end of Golden Army, they tease that Hellboy is gonna like so, you know he's gonna be evil now, um, and the third one was gonna have, like explore how tragic and heartbreaking it would be for a character who for two movies has been so good and has worked so hard to make the world see him as good, and how heartbreaking and tragic it's gonna be to see now now see him be the evil overlord of the world as well. It was just like. Super interesting. Super down for it. Plus, it's more Del Toro and Ron Perlman. So, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, the rest I have is uh, uh, DC as well. Um, I have one, two, I have two Batman. And, and. Say again. I, have, uh, I said I have two Batman and three others. I got one, two. Two, I have two Supermans, two Batmans, three miscellaneous, uh, four miscellaneous. So we'll I'll knock okay. out a couple here. Um, this is one. I know we said best comic book movies never made. This is probably one of those. Uh, I'm I'm glad stayed dead. Um, as much as I love the actor, this is gonna sound nuts, y'all, but hang with me. 
Jack Black's Green Lantern movie. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. So basically what this was going to be is it would have existed in the DC universe and it kind of would have functioned as a what if story of what if the ring didn't choose Hal Jordan, it chose shallow Hal instead. See how I, see how I make that <laughs> reference? Um, Proud of you. But es- <laughs> essentially, yeah. What if the ring chose Jack Black? What if... What if Jack Black skadooshed with the Green Lantern ring? Yeah, I'm going to try and get all the Jack Black references in there. What if he schoolhouse rocked with a lantern ring? There uh, you go. What if he tenacious deezed these yellow <laughs> nope, lantern nope, core? No, 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 no. We're a family-friendly podcast, so we've already cussed twice. So we it would have been, down a little bit. It would have been, I think, PG-13 or an R-rated, like a hard R yeah. adult comedy that... Once fans heard the words Green Lantern Jack Black movie, they immediately just shut that product down. They're like, no, it's going to be a dumb idea. I'm going, probably, but you never know. Maybe give it a chance, but it probably probably would have been bad. Let him cook. Let him cook. Let the man cook. (laughs) Let the man cook, as they say. Um, Yeah, there was, I remember hearing about that. And like, honestly, that was back in the days of like, of the the picket destiny and and um school uh school school of rock sorry and shallow house so like i can if if it was that jack black i can kind of see it maybe i don't know it'd be kind of fun I, I, at the very least it would have been fun to see him have a good go at it and maybe if the, it, it had happened we'd have a different jack black now which would be great could you imagine if the jack black we have now would have been like an action hero <laughs> it's he is a jumanji but i no, guess I that's mean, a little okay, different okay okay he plays his <laughs> bethany character as green lantern like <laughs> nacho libre meets green lantern like jeez he fights actual like genuine monsters and whatnot it could have been interesting to say fun. the least but I don't I don't know. Uh, then you get a Green Arrow movie. You get Batman Begins writer David S. Goyer writing Green Arrow Escape from Supermax. From the Supermax. Also I known as Dread. So because <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> so the premise of this would have been Green Arrow. Oliver Queen is thrown into prison, but he's thrown in the same prison that all the thugs that he has ever put away are also in. So he needs a prison break and it would have been filled with a whole bunch of cameos galore. I'm on the fence if this would have been a good idea or not, because I'm on the fence if I think David Gore is a good writer or not, because he's <laughs> he's written Fair some enough. good things and he's written some not so good things. I'm going, hmm. Could this have worked? And would you have chosen Charlie Hunnam? That's my big question here. Yes, he would have. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, but yeah, like that's like that's such a cool to me. That's like a great like intro. Okay, maybe not intro, but like that's like a that sounds like a fun time. Honestly, uh, it does kind of beg the question of like, okay, why be the first on screen outing for a character? where he doesn't have his you know iconic weapon or suit at all the entire film um i mean oh so arrow i'm sure that's never been done before uh, but still yeah yeah which uh, allegedly that like the show ended up taking a lot from 
the the screen the script or the treatment or whatever from from this uh movie well i'm sure they also took some from smallville because i'm sure they yes. were planning on splitting off justin hartley's arrow at some yes, point they were so yeah i've got um, six more i can't count today you're good uh i'll knock out my my two miscellaneous and then because then after that i've got at least one superman two batman um so something that in that in that line of stuff that like i'm glad never happened um at one point and allegedly allegedly there's a script out there the wachowskis had written a plastic man movie and yeah, huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Two things I never thought I would absolutely. N- I okay. Let me be, be clear here. I think the Wachowskis are talented filmmakers. Uh, uh, this was a, supposedly going to be a comedy, and they've never done a comedy, so that would be would have been interesting to see them attempt something outside of what they normally do. Um, however, I hate Plastic Man. I think he's a terrible character. He's he's not cool. Like he is a terrible person in the comics so like i don't know where (laughs) where you would have gone with this um he's not funny and he's not interesting like cool he stretches i guess um but especially with like when cg how cg was back then like definitely don't don't do don't do plastic man there's no way that that looks good (laughs) like like at all so i'm Um, actually surprised you didn't bring this up because it's your boy the director of Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. I George mean, Miller, also known as the guy that did Babe Pig in the City, which and Happy Feet, which is still the weirdest <laughs> combination to me. Long before we were set to get Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon's Justice League, we were going to get George Miller's Justice League Mortal. Um, This is going to be a weird movie. It was going to have Maxwell Lord. And if I remember right, it was going to be like Jay Baruchel was Maxwell Lord or something like that. Um, Yeah. J.A. Bayona, I think, was Superman. But now, you know, he gets to be Pedro in the Shazam movies instead, which I think is kind of funny. Um, Army Hammer was Batman, I believe. I'm going, oh, Uh, dodge the bullet there, guys. Yeah, um, uh, C- Common was like was Green Lantern or something, or something like, that. like that, and it was essentially going to be like a Tower of Babel type story of the villain discovers all the heroes' weaknesses and uses them against them type of thing to take out the Justice League once and for all. Um, George Miller can make great movies. Mad Max Fury Road is one of the greatest action movies of all time. But he also doesn't at times, too. Like, <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome is not my favorite. Um, no, it is not. <laughs> babe, Picking the City is cinematic masterpiece. Even if, he, and, even if he says it's the worst film he's ever made and it was a nightmare <laughs> yeah. to work on. Yeah, because, I mean, how, how can that be true when he made Happy Feet? <laughs> and I think Happy Feet 2, I can't uh, remember. Oh, gosh, there's a second one? Oh God. Okay. Well, let's move on from that dump dumpster fire. So uh, now potential. the rest of my movies either include Batman or Superman or both. Okay. I've got one left that's neither. All right. Okay. So you and I have had this conversation um before, but uh the crow never got a like a good sequel. There's the uh not the the one before City of Angels. Um I forget which one it is, but like City was, of Angels is the sequel. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, 
anyway, so apparently, much like this is going to be a theme going forward, I guess, um, the studio loved The Crow, saw the treatments, and saw some some uh, early production from City of Angels. It was super, super stoked about it. So they had Rob Zombie write a, a future Crow sequel. It, uh, the Crow 2037. It is a Batman Beyond style movie with The Crow. Um, I love everything about this except for Rob Zombie. <laughs> like, oh man. Like, because Rob Zombie's, uh, how did I, I, I saw the article I was reading um, describe him as uh, my, my Marmite. You either love his stuff or you hate his stuff. Like, it is so, there's no like middle ground for Zombie. So, but I like the idea of the crow being like in the future, like a Batman beyond style, the crow. I like that idea. Uh, just definitely not from Rob zombie. Uh, and as far as the reason that, uh, it didn't come out, well, you know, city of city of angels was a thing. And, um, it is, it was not well received to say the least. <laughs> so Shocker. it is. Yeah. So it, uh, d- did not become a thing. So, I'll dive into my two Batmans and then I'll do my e. Batman and Superman and then we'll finish out with Superman because it's a transition that way. Uh, yeah. So after the failure of Batman and Robin, Warner Brothers was kind of wondering what to do next. So Joel Schumacher was still on the hook to do another movie and he took fan feedback from Batman and Robin for his next movie and kind of wanted to shape it back into the dark and gritty direction that Tim Burton had taken it which is where you get Batman 5, essentially. Batman Unchained, sometimes called Batman Triumphant for some reason, even though it was never once called that in production. So essentially, this would have been Batman stuck in Arkham Asylum and being tried for all of his quote-unquote crimes by every single previous villain in the Batman mythos at that point. You would have had Jack Nicholson returning as Joker, Danny DeVito as Penguin, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, everything and i think courtney love was supposed to be harley quinn but it was joker's Allegedly. daughter it was either yeah it was from what i understand because i i have this one as well um i from what i was reading and from that wonderful show that that channel you sent me um <laughs> the uh the big bad was supposed to be like scarecrow at its core and nicholas freaking uh, cage yeah which i would have ate that up which is hilarious also to think that Nicolas Cage has an idea to do egg, Egghead really well, which is really funny to think about. Uh, but yeah, he was supposed to be Nicolas Cage's Scarecrow, which is awesome. Um, and then like, yeah, Harley was supposed to be either uh, Courtney Love or Madonna, which I don't like either of those. And ideas, now we get sure. Lady Gaga as Harley yeah, Quinn, who is often compared to Madonna. I- I love Lady Gaga. I love that. Anyway, um, but yeah, like literally, like I get f- the the finale is supposed to be like, like you said, like he is hallucinating the trial. It's not actually there, but he's trapped in Arkham, been hallucinating the trial, and like the last shot was supposed to be him surrounded by bats, which is you know a shot we get in the Nolan trilogy. But yeah, yeah, dude, I I don't know about you, but I really, really, really like like the comic book nerd to me loves this idea uh but obviously like you know because batman robin was a thing uh they're, they're, that, that was never gonna happen <laughs> then the other batman just solely batman one i have is the yep. other like people say that they're curious about this one 
but I would have absolutely hated this movie. And that is Darren Aronofsky's Batman Year One. The yep. same guy that brought us Mother! Because you got to say it like that because there's an exclamation mark at the end of it. Uh, or Requiem for a Dream or Black Swan was tapped to do a Batman Year One. And y'all, this movie would have been bat <laughs> insane. Um, Batman would have been very even like darker and edgier than Battinson, like it would have gone fully off the rails. And I don't think he was actually having a bat suit in this movie. Like it went really weird, dark directions. So thankfully it never really went anywhere. However, the idea of starting over with a year one and a dark and gritty approach to Batman did stick around for another three or four years when the next director, Christopher Nolan, would take that idea and run with it and do his own version of year one in a movie that did end up coming out, Batman Begins, thus saving not only Batman, but probably the superhero genre as a whole with a couple other movies, but I think that movie needs to get more love and recognition. Batman Beyond, now Batman Begins is just oh, fantastic. It is. Um, what's interesting, I think, is there was like a lot of Batman stuff floating around then too. Uh, just like, yeah, the year one stuff, the um, uh, people, people end up, you know, taking more and stuff uh, up. Of, I think the one rumor that I did hear that I read about that I don't think is true whatsoever um, is that bat is that um, Ben Affleck was supposed to write and direct and star in, in a Batman movie after during the whole Zack Snyder stuff. Um, don't think that was a thing ever. Uh, now I think I know where we're going here with uh, with our Batman and uh, Batman these uh, not versus Superman Batman versus uh, yeah you know what I'm talking about do you with the uh, the seven uh, Andrew I don't apparently um, <laughs> no, no it is Andrew Kevin um, Andrew Walker. Walker yeah 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 um, Batman Asylum written by the the seven screenwriter Andrew Walker um, story where Batman fights. Superman <laughs> for the the reason is interesting but yeah yeah it's like what in this version like Joker killed Batman's girlfriend or something like that and that starts yeah. off the chain of events and it's almost like injustice levels of dark so it would have been perfect for Zack Snyder I think yeah but um they're like trying to make it like a prestige political drama almost as instead of a superhero beat him up which would have been an interesting approach but given the time frame that it was being written in i don't think like it would have been handled as deeply and as profoundly as they seem to think it would have been it's yeah. been notice me senpai type material instead of like i'm i'm dark and edgy and i'm mature it's like a 13 year old thinking he understands the world type of i understand yeah. writing i i don't think it would have come off particularly well and i can see why it was scrapped although i still do appreciate the fact that there's a batman v superman reference in i am legend in 2006 which that is why yeah that's why there's a batman v superman poster in i am legend not because Zack snyder was looking at the future like that's not how that works guys sorry yeah there's um, weird coincidences in movies like christopher nolan's first movie ever following the first it's about two thieves that break into places the main character's name is Cobb, which is also the same name as dicaprio's character in inception the first house <laughs> that they break into has a batman sticker on the door and he made this movie in like 1997 i'm going jeez that's the Matrix is broken. 
Um, <laughs> but that leaves us to the big boy, the man yeah. in blue, Superman. So after the failure, Superman 4 Quest for Peace, moving on from that abysmal disaster, Warner Brothers didn't really know what to do with the franchise for a little bit. They made Supergirl, which may or may not be connected to the Christopher Reeve Superman. It's kind of up in the air. Um, speaking of up in the air, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's up, up and away because Superman is Superman fly by this one. We don't know as much about it as our next Gross. one, as our final movie. But Superman fly by would have been a radically different approach. This movie was written by J.J. Abrams and would have been directed by Brett Ratner. That part's gross. Um, Brett Ratner was a decent director at one point. I think he did. He do all three Rush Hours or just the third one? I know at least the third. He did X3, which is not great, but not as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, Tower Heist with Eddie Murphy. Uh, Mm -hmm. But also, he's a gross perv and maybe he shouldn't get jobs anymore. Um. Yeah, JJ, I'm I'm glad he's potentially doing an Elseworld Superman if that's still on the table because his direction was going to be very, very weird and also mm-hmm. doesn't understand the material, I don't think, because the big plot twist, the big reveal for Superman Flyby was going to be that Lex Luthor was secretly a Kryptonian that also crash-landed to Earth like a Kryptonian soldier. I'm going, but why? And it also would have adapted the death and return of Superman storyline, which is a very common recurring trope for some reason with a lot of these failed Superman projects, as we'll talk about in a little bit here. But it's not just flyby in our last movie. Uh, quite a few drafts, as you can find online, have some variation of, oh, we really want to adapt the, the death and return of Superman storyline. Yeah, because it made you a crap ton of sales in comics that also kind of caused the collapse of the comic book system for a yeah. while there. So uh, maybe <laughs> let's not do that. But yeah, flyby. I'm hoping JJ has grown as a writer and as a creative person since then, that if he was ever involved as a super project, like I was high on that for a little bit and I w- ended up being right about that. They did announce it, but we've gotten nothing about that since with like this Elseworld universe. I don't know what that would have been like. Um, but is your last one the same one I'm thinking of, Josh? Or you have another Superman-related project? No, yeah, that's a, that I just attacked it on because I think it's one that I think for both, at least for me, was made me aware that there were other versions of... Uh, of uh, there were stories that had gotten really far into production and that just were scrapped altogether. Um, that, of course, is, for those that don't know, uh, is the... Nicholas Cage starring directed by Tim Burton movie Superman lives uh this movie was supposed to like it started as one thing and then Tim Burton got a hold of it and turned into it, it what it ended up being which is like Lex Luthor and Doomsday and a long-haired Nicholas Cage like there was costume fittings and uh, principal photography and everything man like this this movie got really far into production, but but, but before they scrapped it. Yeah, so we know actually quite a bit of this. You can actually find videos and pictures of Nicolas Cage in the suit. And now people seem to think that that would have been a bad choice. But it's important to remember that the Nicolas Cage of the 90s when this movie was going to be made is not the same Nicolas Cage of today. This is around the same time as like 
I think it was Moonstruck with Cher, where he got an Academy Award mm-hmm. or something like that. He was a very prestigious actor mm-hmm. at the time. And still to Josh and I, he's one of the greatest actors alive. He's fantastic. He knows the movies that he's in. Um, it would have been very, very different. Um, John Schnepp, the late, great John Schnepp, who passed away far too young, did a phenomenal documentary called The Death of Superman Lives that... I feel so bad about it. So basically what happened with that, he makes this incredible hour and a half long documentary with interviews with Tim Burton, John Peters, the producer, scumbag that he is, um, does all this hard work, does this great documentary, and then the whole thing just gets leaked on YouTube, and he basically makes no money off of it. I am proud to say that I bought the movie, so I actually have the digital file, but I still I feel like I can never actually prove that I bought it because... When yeah. I got it, it's like a digital code, so it's just like almost like a VLC file, basically, of like... Dang, wow, that's a throwback. Yeah, <laughs> like a VLC media player type of, like, just open it with that type of thing. Um, It's a phenomenal documentary. I would suggest go looking it up, but at the same time, I, I still feel bad recommending it to people because yeah. of, like, the whole it's free on YouTube now. It's like, it, it really wasn't, though. It cost a lot of money to make, Um, but it's a phenomenal documentary that... Um, they had very bizarre, um, concepts and concept art. You have at one point Brainiac and Lex Luthor combining to form Lexiac, which I'm just going, ah, so it's written by a 12 year old because that's a, just merge the two names together type of thing. It would have been the mulleted Superman. Superman would have had like three different suits at one point. He would have had the classic suit. He would have had this like almost like an LED light-up suit that would have been like the regeneration suit, almost. Like he was like a charging mm-hmm. battery type thing. Like they wanted to visualize him returning. And because John Peters, the producer of this movie, is a bully and a really, really odd man, he demanded that the movie's big villain would be a giant spider that Superman would fight. But thankfully... John Peters would get that giant spider in another movie that he produced called Wild Wild West starring Will Gross. Smith. That's where the giant <laughs> spider in Wild Wild yeah. West comes from. It's yeah. The, I agree. Like I, I wish I could tell people to go watch the, the documentary Death of Superman Lives without feeling like I'm cheating John somehow. And it feels even worse now that he's passed away. Um, so I... It's a great and because the, the other thing is it's it's a great documentary. It's really 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 well done. Um, yeah, the the movie would have been super super weird. Uh, I think Nicolas Cage would have been the least of the problems with the film. I I love me some Nicky Cage. I think now that everyone has in the world has seen uh, uh, unbearable weight of massive talent. I think everybody else now realizes how much they love Nicolas Cage. Um, I just yeah, it just sucks that that of the situation the documentary is in. But I'm glad at the end of the day, I'm glad the movie didn't wasn't made. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of those bizarre or interesting or intriguing comic book movies that never saw the light of day that you're very curious to see? So what is if you brought any up that you'd never heard of, let us know where it's like here in Film Guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.